When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on. Baby, don't you want to go? Well, come on. Baby, don't you want to go? Back to the same old place. Here we go. Recap episode. The usual early week episode. Hand up, I forgot to put out, I didn't forget, but had some issues putting out the preview episode last week that's on me, was not paying attention to the upload, and just completely dropped the ball on that one. But we're back, myself, Jake Hassan, with Chris Nano and Kevin Lapka, to break down another doozy. Uh, he, forewarning, this is not going to be a whole lot of positive once again. I'm sure Kevin will hype us up to finish once again, as usual, but (laughs) we got to break a lot down for this game, a lot to talk about with Matt Nagy, a lot to talk about with Mitch, and just, again, the offense as a whole. So, you know, I'm going to let Kevin open it up to to go up on a huge high, and then we'll slowly try to find a middle ground. All right, Jake is absolutely correct. Look, it's it's an ugly loss, but I'm the king of optimism. I got to stay positive, got to stay optimistic, but with being realistic uh, as well. But, you know, it, the Bears are not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. They're three and four. They don't look like a playoff team. They don't deserve to be a playoff team right now, but that doesn't mean they can't be in the future. And there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of things to fix. They haven't looked great in a lot of departments, and, and those things that we thought would get corrected still haven't gotten corrected. And we're going to talk about all of that, but, again, all we see is negativity. And, and more now more than ever, it, it's understandable, and I get it. But, you know, there has to be someone out there to, to, to let people know that it's not over. They're at 3-4. and four. You know, I'll kick it off with this before we go on. Just some stats for you guys. Last year, there were three, four, and four teams to make the playoffs in the NFL. After going four and four, teams have a 32% chance to make the playoffs. So it's not impossible. And, and next week is, is more of a must win than ever. But uh, we got to unpack a little bit about what happened this week in this loss. Ugly, ugly loss to the Chargers. But still, you know, not giving up yet, but a lot to unpack. I mean, yeah, I mean, look. Nothing's over, nothing's set in stone. Um, in my opinion, I just think there are problems deeper than than just having this team improve. I, I just don't... There are players on this team that I just don't think will improve. Um, I, I will we'll definitely get to unpacking that. Um, but it's just one of those things where it, it just doesn't seem like things are going to get better. The things that we've been hoping would get better aren't getting better and you know we're, we're halfway through the season so um you know it's 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 just something that I know a lot of Bears fans are feeling down and and feeling like things aren't going to go up and um you know it's hard not to at this at this point but um we'll just we'll just dive in and then start unpacking it and and see 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 what happens from there yeah, so the obvious surface level stuff is that the Bears lose. Eddie P misses a last second field goal after the Bears make a nice 
nice push into field goal range, give you a chance to win the game. Unfortunately, Eddie misses his second kick of the game. He missed both kicks. Um, not a pretty game. I mean, that really says it all. It, it doesn't get a lot better from there. Um, but we ran the ball. It finally happened, boys. They ran the damn ball, and it paid off Montgomery. His first game over 100 yards, another touchdown, his second of the year. And the and I want to start with this because we've been talking about it all year, and it's finally the thing that got fixed. Montgomery, we, we hyped him up all preseason. We loved what we saw from him. We really thought he could be a focal point of this offense, and then we hadn't seen it through the first seven weeks. Now, finally, game eight, you finally see it. And we finally see what happens when you do it. it. It makes you wonder why it took so long to get here in the first place. But, I mean, Kevin, what did you see? I mean, David Montgomery was a star on Sunday. Oh, my God. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, the way this guy runs, it's just so fun to watch. It's incredible. You know, I, the one play that sticks out to me, it's not the 55-yarder. It's that one with about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's second and six. He gets hit like two yards behind the line, keeps chugging forward, spins off of another guy, and ends up turning that into like an eight-yard gain in a really, really crucial spot where they need a first down. I mean, this guy just does not, not stop moving his feet. He bounces off tacklers. And, and this is what we've been waiting for. And, and Jake mentioned it, but... All this time, and, and they finally, if there's one thing you want to take away from this game, it's that it, it seems to be that they found their identity on offense. Sure, they look terrible on offense, but you know this isn't necessarily the offense that Matt Nagy is going to want going forward, but it's the offense that they're going to need. It's going to have to be the Dave Montgomery show going forward. 27 carries, 135 yards, and one touchdown. That's what you're going to have to see from Dave Montgomery in this offense if they want to win football games in the future. He looked absolutely fantastic, and I think we could start to say uh, that Dave Montgomery is surely going to be a star in the making. Yeah, I mean, a talented running back um, making plays when when you give him the ball. What a concept! I mean, this dude, this dude is is phenomenal. Uh, we've we've talked about it all offseason. We've talked about it leading up to to this past Sunday, um, and we're we'll, we're gonna talk about it for you know the rest of this season and the rest of his career. I mean, he's he's just there's there's just something about him that that you can just see that he's just a good running back. Um, he 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 has it all. He looks the part. Um, and, you know, you put the ball in his, in his hands and good things will happen. Um, I think the offensive line was a little bit better in run protection. Um, and, you know, it, it's 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 just something that that it was just something so simple. You know, you just give him the ball and, and look what happens. So I, I hope they continue to, 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 you know, build on this. And, and you know, this is obviously going to be a way that they win football games. So, um, yeah, I just I just hope they can keep this up. Yeah, I think the offensive line was definitely stronger. You saw them be a lot stronger at the point of attack, opening up holes, which is great to see. That helped Montgomery find some space. Um, and then you, even when you see then those runs, because we did still get a couple of the runs that we've seen all year. Of You know, he only gets two or three, but he just doesn't go down. Yeah. But even those feel better when he's able to rip off a couple nine, eight-yard runs. And then obviously that longer one that he had that he unfortunately got caught from behind um we always knew montgomery wasn't a burner but that still was a little tough to see but you know just the fact that he could get away and break open those runs that was awesome um i think the offensive line definitely is starting to this is a step in the right direction i think now unfortunately it sucks to say it but kyle long was definitely a weak link there and uh coward being in there it looks like there's a little bit more strength there 
totally agree. I mean, he, the offensive line looked fine. Other than a few pass protection breakdowns with Joey Bosa, I mean, that Joey Bosa-Bobby Massey matchup was a problem all day. But especially in the run game, I mean, I mean, we, we mentioned how the offensive line was pretty much the root of most of the offensive issues. Uh, as far as the running game, we'll say as far as the running game goes, we, we pretty much concluded that the reason Dave Montgomery and the running game was having no success was because the offensive line was doing nothing to help him out. So... Once you see Coward in there and see that offensive line move a little bit and function a little bit, then you can see the results of that, and that's a great running game. So I think that's another thing to take away as well as far as going forward is the offensive line is a much better unit than it was the first six weeks of the season. I think that's clear. Sure, Coward had, what, I think two holding penalties, but you know he's a younger player. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to deal with. Um, I don't expect that to continue for him. It happens so... I'm really, really happy from what I saw from the offensive line and that whole unit and how they're able to open up holes, not only for Montgomery, but for Cohen a few times. And Mike Davis finally saw some carries. Uh, but, you know, the offense, the rest of it, it comes down to Mitchell Trubisky, and I will get into that. But at least for now, he's got an offensive line that's protecting him and uh, opening holes for Dave Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with all those points. I think uh, the offensive line... Definitely looks like they're improving, and you know, there's there's problems deeper than the offensive line right now. But I feel like we got we got to give them their props. I mean, we've been we've been talking crap about them when they've been playing bad, so we definitely have to give them their props when they when they play good. And you know, they can only take care of themselves and what they're doing. So great job by the offensive line. Yeah, if as long as they can just keep taking these baby steps forward, then this will be something that I think we can get back to praising them again. I don't regular basis unlike you know this first half of the season so hopefully that continues that's a trend hopefully but you know Chris you alluded to it we got to talk about it um, Mitch Trubisky looked better a little bit better another week removed from that shoulder injury had a couple nice throws he engineered that drive that put you into position to win the game but he also had some ugly throws the interception being a really ugly throw um, a couple really bad overthrows, one of Gabriel that was horrendous. Are we still not feeling great about Mitch? I mean, I think it was a little better, but it's still nowhere near what you want. Chris, I know you have some thoughts on this, so we'll start with you. I, this is, you can't have a quarterback that looks like Aaron Rodgers one play and then looks like, I'm not going to throw out a name just out of respect, but you can't have somebody that inconsistent if you want to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm 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 not gonna lie to you guys. When when he drops back to throw a pass, and you know when the camera like switches from the from the, the like the quarterback and offensive line to like wherever the ball's thrown, yeah. I I honestly feel zero confidence every time like the camera moves. Like I I I just don't feel confident when he's under center. Um, and honestly. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I, I wouldn't be opposed to Chase Daniel right now. I think oh. the, the only thing oh, for, no. for me, listen, listen, the only thing that separated um, Mitch Trubisky from Chase Daniel, in my opinion, was Mitch Trubisky being able to, to escape the pocket, escape pressure. Um, and, you know, they're not doing that. So, honestly, I'd rather have the lo- lower risk guy. And I honestly think Chase Daniel right now is a lower risk. I, I truly do believe that. Um, and, you know, I, I – I, I'm not, I'm not saying he has to start, but I, I just, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I, I'm, I'm being 100% dead serious. Uh, I, you know, it, it's, it's tough to watch, man. It, it's just tough to watch. That's the only way I can describe it. 
uh, I, I don't know, man. I mean, look, Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky did not play well. All right, and and well, I will say he did a hell of a job to get the team in field goal position. I know it's not enough, and I know he could have scored him a touchdown. Yada yada yada. He missed big time throws, and, and that's been the story of his career, man. It, Chris mentioned it, and I love the way that he put it. He said you can't have a quarterback who looks like Aaron Rodgers one play and looks like a doo doo quarterback the next play. The inconsistency. I mean, because because this is what happens. I mean. Through three quarters, everyone's, you know, raining on Mitchell Trubisky. He looks horrible. And then he just, he slowly draws everybody back in the fourth quarter when he just looks fantastic and engineers a fourth quarter drive to put the team in field goal position. But, you know, the, the, the thing that you have to see is that should, they shouldn't even been in that position. If he hits that throw to Taylor Gabriel or if he hits some of those other throws and doesn't fumble the football and reads that cornerback on that interception. So, you know... I am in no position to say they should start Chase Daniel. I I, I actually completely oppo- I'm opposed to that. I mean, we we've seen Chase Daniel play, and I'm never I, through this point. I'm not going to come to the conclusion that Chase Daniel is a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. I mean, if Chase Daniel's out there, they don't even get the chance to kick that field goal because Mitch Trubisky did make a hell of a play to escape the pocket, run eight yards, get the first down. Uh, he did he did do some nice things on that drive. I just you know to me, Chase Daniel is not the answer. If you want to find an answer. It, it, they they have it. Well, let's say it, but they have twenty. I don't know, eight, nine, ten, twelve, thirty, like um, fifteen hours. I don't know to the trade deadline. It's tomorrow. We're recording this on the twenty eighth. But it, it, that appears unlikely, man. Hey, he comes out and he says Mitchell Trubisky's our guy. He's defending him. It's gonna be Mitchell Trubisky. I, you know. Man, it's so tough. It's such a tough spot because as a fan, I know every single one of you who's listening as a fan, you don't want to give up on him because he's your franchise quarterback and you feel like if you do, there's just no direction to the franchise. And I think that's the thing that so many people are struggling with. It's like you either do the trade or, okay, you give up Mitchell Trubisky, like you 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 can't go to the Super Bowl with Chase Daniel, and I'm not like you you just can't. And, you know, if you want to talk about who you think the Bears could, who you think could lead the Bears to Super Bowl, Chase Daniel, Mitchell Trubisky, I will take Mitchell Trubisky every single day, and, and that's just me. But um, you know, obviously, not a lot of confidence. But when it comes to the Chase Daniel, Mitchell Trubisky, I'm taking Mitch every day. Yeah, I won't. I, I, I won't agree with the Chase Daniel thing, but okay. I mean, I'll go in further into mine because Chris, you have a, a retaliation. Yeah, I mean, let me ask you guys something. Based off what we've seen so far this year, what what does Mitch do better than Chase Daniel? I I, I want to know. I mean, other than running, what what exactly does he do that that's better? Uh, I I mean, I I don't have an answer to that. Well, to, to me, Chase Daniel is when he's in the pocket. I mean, you talk about sure running, but like that, that it's more than just the running. It's when Chase Daniel's in the pocket, like th- there's nothing he can do. And he, I mean, he also makes boneheaded decisions. I mean, we watched the Raiders game, and I'm not saying that Mitchell Trubisky doesn't, but like, I mean, you some of those throws that Chase Daniel makes, are, I mean, there's just not enough zip on the ball. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky at least has some zip. He can he can make those fantastic plays. We talk about him making those Aaron Rodgers type plays. You don't get that out of Chase Daniel at any time. I mean, he, he, he's your definition of like a lower average game manager. I'd rather have a guy who can make a little bit of uh, make a flash here and there, make a few plays and make a few mistakes, than a guy who's just going to stand in the pocket, make a few throws in here here and there, or else he's just going to throw it away and be a statue and get sacked. I mean, that, that's just where I'm coming from. When you have Chase Daniel in there, you know, you you know what's coming. Like, you know what you're getting out of it. And, you know, I, I have little – I mean, how much confidence do you have in Chase Daniel when that camera moves? I mean, I, I got, you know, little confidence with with, with Chase Daniel in there. And I know he, he knows the offense better or whatever it is. But, I mean, raw talent, you know – 
just what Mitchell Trubisky can do. Sure, he makes a few bad throws, but he can just do so much more. He's so, he's multifaceted compared to Chase Daniel. Go for ahead, me, I'll, I'll let you take it. Yep. Just for me with Chase Daniel, I, I Chris, there is no answer to your question. I mean, I guess the biggest thing that Mitch does better is he's a better athlete. He makes better plays with the with his feet when he decides to use them, though. And his decision-making is, I mean, they're on par. If not, maybe Chase Daniel is a little bit better because he's just more cautious. But for me at this point, if you were to make a change to Chase Daniel, that just sets the locker room on fire. That sets the season on fire because you're saying, okay, either A, we're giving up, or B, we don't know what else to do. And so now we're going to this guy who's a career backup and has not shown anything impressive. Totally. I don't I don't disagree with your point, Chris. I just think that morally, emotionally, and just mentally for the team and for the fan base, that just if you put in Chase Daniel, that says a lot of very negative things about where you think you're going. Yeah, no, I mean I that's that's honestly a great point. Yeah. I mean that that's 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 a given. I just think the longer you roll with Mitch Trubisky, the longer you're you're I, I guess I don't know if this is the right saying, but I, I guess you're just sweeping the problem under the rug, in my opinion. I, I think someone needs to be held accountable. And, you know, it's, I mean, who, who, who is it going to be? Who is it going to be? Because right now, I mean, someone needs to be held accountable for this. It, it's, it's just the offense doesn't even look NFL level right now, guys. I mean, it, it, do you guys disagree with that? Do, do you think this offense, like, it's painful. It, it's actually painful. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, it's painful. Listen, there are worse offenses in the NFL than the Chicago Bears right now. There are. And it's hard to see, but there are. Um, you know, but that's that's what I said earlier. I mean, the, the identity going forward, it's going to have to be the run game. I mean, they, they looked like a, you know, that, this is the crazy thing. If the Bears converted in the red zone, we wouldn't even be having these conversations because, quite frankly, they looked very good getting to the 10-yard line and getting to the 4-yard line. And I don't think anyone can dispute that. They looked great besides the Mitchell Trubisky fumbling the interception. Otherwise, they were moving down the field. They were having rhythm, tempo. They were getting down the field nicely. But... You know, the main takeaway from the offense in this game should be should be their in, inability to score in the red zone, an inability to score when you're inside the ten yard line at the four yard line. That's 100 percent the storyline here. It's not what they did to get to that point because the offense looked fine, but you know, in, at that point, you know, part of it's play calling, part of it's you know the quarterback not making plays, but. You know, you just got to score when you're inside the ten and and, and at the four yard line, and, and as many times as they were there. I mean, if they score. You know, three times there, they they win this game by fourteen plus points. So to me, you know, in this specific, game, I'm I'm not as worried about the offense as I was a week ago because they looked better. They looked better. The offensive line looked better. The running game looked better. They looked like they had an identity. The unfortunate thing was they just couldn't put it in the end zone. And you know, I don't expect them each game to get to the four yard line and kick a field goal every time that that shouldn't happen. And I don't think it will happen going forward. That's a rarity and it's inexcusable and it absolutely shouldn't happen. But you know, you, you, I don't think you guys can argue that getting to those spots, the offense looked okay. They didn't look like a 32nd, 31st, 30th ranked offense getting to those points. I mean, do you agree? Uh, I agree. I, I, I mean, I agree with that. The only thing is, I mean, it's the same thing every week, though. It's like we're almost there, and then it's two steps back. And and I, I don't mean literally. I'm I'm saying just you know, it's almost like the offense has it figured out, and then it's back to square one. And 
you know, that I feel like that's a problem and there's an underlying problem that I guess we don't really have the answer to right now. But I mean, I, I just I, I you're definitely more optimistic than me. I'll, I'll say that. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's look, I understand. I, t- I mean, obviously the the. 16 points the way they lost I mean you can't you can't lose that football game and especially when the expectations are so high but you know it's just to me just going back to the chase and quarterback thing I think Jake makes I what Jake said to me is, is the kicker right there like you put in Chase Daniel I, I to me and I think to everyone that's telling you that that's that's wrapping up the, the 2019 season I mean people think it's wrapped up already but you put Chase Daniel in there you know that's a bow on top to me I mean with it, with Mitchell Trubisky, it's like okay, we had this guy last year. Like you still have a fight with him, but when you move on to Chase Daniel, it's it, it, you're laying down to die, in my opinion. And and at, again, at this point, it, there's no other op- there's no other option. They're not going to make a move tonight at 2 a.m. for Teddy Bridgewater or for for Nick Foles or Cam Newton. It, it, it's just not going to happen here at this point with the trade deadline being so close. So, it, you know, it's going to be Mitchell Trubisky. But going forward, it, you know, the identity of the team and the identity on Sunday was you got to run the football. And if they do that and they do what they did to get to those red zone positions and they just put it in, this offense can function just fine. And 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 I don't and I think Jake can agree with that. I, I think Chris can kind of agree with that, but you know, that's just what I just mentioned. I mean, Jake, what do you think? Yeah. I think you Kevin, you're right. And I, that's kind of why I opened it up with there were steps taken forward and we showed that if the bears showed that if they rely on this running game and they really make a point to do that, then the offense does open up for Mitch to make a couple more plays. Do I need to see it more consistently to believe that and think that it can happen on a regular basis? And I'm not sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for, okay, just make the right decision. Just make the right decision. Just don't, don't make a bad uh, decision. Don't make a bad read. Yes, absolutely. I think every single person in Chicago who's a Bears fan would tell you that. Um, but we did see potential, and we know that Nagy has the ability to capitalize on potential. So now you need to really take a hard look at this game, see what worked, one being the running game, and two, seeing which throws that Mitch was making. But here's my thing, and here's where I'm going to go a little bit negative on this. You, Mitch still shows that he isn't comfortable throwing the ball down the field. And if you're going to be a Super Bowl winning team, if you're going to be a playoff team, if you're going to be a team that goes six and two or seven and one these last few weeks and this last half of the season, you need to make the explosive plays. I don't think we've seen one real wow play outside of Washington. So at the end of the day, you need to remedy that and you need to figure out how to fix that. Can you hide it with the running game and the defense? Maybe, but you got to figure out those answers real soon because time is ticking and you are already in a bad spot. Look, I just wanted to, I just wanted to ask you guys one thing. Um, this is kind of like, I guess, addressing the elephant in the room, if you will. But if you had to say it right now, do you think Trubisky's a quarterback next year? Yeah, this, this is a hard question because there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. All right. I, I I don't even know if I can give you an answer right now because it, it's really hard. Because, I will. All right, what is it, Jake? What do you want to say? I think, Kevin, you're on the right track. There's so many different factors that get go into this. If Drew Brees comes back and signs another two- or three-year contract and the Saints decide to let Teddy Bridgewater go, I think the Bears pounce all over that. 
Do I think that the Bears, you know, try and when there's so many other things to address, do I think they hope that someone falls in the second round, a quarterback falls, whether it be Fromm or Herbert or whoever you like, or do they trade into the first round? I don't know if they do that because you need to address nah, other things. No, you address no the defensive line, the linebackers, the offensive line, so the tight end position. So there's so many different factors that go into it, especially number one being how Mitch plays the rest of the way because – yeah, Chris, you talked about it a little bit a few minutes ago that, you know, this thing isn't going to get addressed right now. So, you know, they're riding with Mitch the rest of the season. That's clear. And I think that's probably the right decision because you go to Chase Daniel, you're telling him, all right, we're done. Then his confidence is shot. And then you're never getting any the anything near the best play possible out of him. So you have to ride with him. And then once the season's over, whenever that is, whether that is the regular season or whether that is the playoffs, whether that is hosting a trophy in February, I don't know. But that's when you look at everything because nothing's going to change right now unless somebody calls you and gives you a slam dunk, Hail Mary touchdown, no doubt about it offer. Otherwise, yeah. this, this is what you got. This is what you're rolling with. And you have to reassess once the season is over and no sooner. I mean, the the thing for me is, I mentioned in the beginning a little bit of optimism, right? How the Bears are three and four, how they could still sneak their way into the playoff hunt and, somewhere in there. And if they do that, even if they end up ten and six, I don't even know if the Bears would move on because, I mean, it, it, again, it, it's just too early to me. Like, it, it depends on like there there is a chance Mitchell Trubisky could come out and play well or or play good enough in the final uh, eight games of the season or nine games of the season. There's a chance that could happen. And and just with, with what's going on with the salary cap, to me, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be expensive, very expensive. And I don't know what the uh, what the Saints are going to do with him. Cam Newton, I mean, who? it's just too early to see what's going on with some of these guys. I mean, Nick Foles, I don't, I don't really feel as confident with Nick Foles as I am with Mitch Trubisky. I mean, that's a guy who's barely even done it in the regular season. He's only done it in the postseason. So to me, that that question is it's a legit question, and Chris is totally right for asking it. But it's just too early. I think week twelve you can make that assumption, uh, and, and you could finally say, um, okay, he's not going to be the quarterback next year. But you know, we're living right now in 2019, and right now he is the quarterback. Um, so, you know, you're going to have to stick with it. You're going to have to live with it because there, there's no other way around it for now. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, Chris, what's your answer to that question? Um, absolutely not. Um, okay. I, listen, you guys are saying if they go 10 and six, um, for the bears to go 10 and six, I believe they'd have to go seven and two the rest of the way. And I have zero confidence that that happens. Um, because like you guys mentioned, I know I'm, I'm sitting here bashing Trubisky. I mean, just everything just looks so bad. I mean, Eddie Jackson just, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember that one huge play. Yeah, I forgot yeah. to who, who Mike it was. Williams. Yeah, like, dude, man, that is not the Eddie Jackson I know. It's just, that's why I feel like there's just a something going on. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know if this team just, I think maybe this team even stopped believing themselves. I, I. I just don't know, man. It's the offensive line. I feel like it's gotten better, but still needs some work. Um, tight end. I mean, oh, Jesus Christ. It's there's just so many things we have to address. And and that's why I feel like um, Kevin Kevin brought up a good point um, that, you know, we, we do. There are so many things to address or it might have been Jake. I'm sorry. 
whoever it was, I, you guys brought it up um, that, you know, there's so many things to address. You can't go and, and offer a QB or make a huge offer for a QB or even sign a QB to a lot of money just because there are so many things you have to address. So, um, you know, I, I, I didn't really think about that. But now that now that you bring it up, I mean, it, it is a, it is a, a, a tough, tougher decision than I originally thought. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. See, wait, like, okay, we're talking about... a. Like, I actually disagree with that. And, and what we don't have, what do we have to address? Like, to me, offensive line, we maybe have to address. Tight end, we may have to address. Everything else, I, like, I'm fine. Like, we know how, this is one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. Sure, they're not playing up to that talent and playing up to these expe- expectations right now. But this isn't a team that has to overhaul their roster. I mean, we, we're acting here like this is an 0-7 team that has to completely overhaul their roster through the next three years. No, not at all. This team has the talent. They have the players. We have guys signed through 2022. We don't have to go into the offseason thinking, oh, my God, we need a new running back. We need a new wide receiver one. We need a new offensive lineman. We need a new, we need a new tight end. I'll agree with that. We don't need a new cornerback. I mean, we, we, we have Rokon Smith. We have Dan Trevathan. I mean, I could, the, the list goes on, man. And I still have confidence in Abe Jackson. I'm never giving up confidence on that guy at this point. He's an all-pro last year. He's not playing like it right now. But I have confidence in that guy to fix it. Um, to me, the, the you know, right now, the, the Bears are closer than people think. The Bears, again, everyone thinks they're 0-7. And and they they look like it right now, but but they are not, and and these guys are still there. To me, there, there's not as much to address. There there's there's things within. There are coaching things to address, and there are you know scheme things and and, and play calling things. But as far as player things to address and certain contract things, I don't you know. To me, th- this roster is where it needs to be as far as the players on the field. Uh, it's just they're not playing like it, and, and, and they're not being coached like it. So to me, that's the issue. It's not the players on the field. It's those other little things that are causing them to be 3-4 and four right now. I don't know, man. I mean, I, 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 think, I think we need a new tight end. Um, yes, I, we need a new tight end. What, that, one or two I'll pieces, agree with that. Yeah, one or two pieces on the offensive line. And then, honestly, I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm I'm kind of over Prince Amukamara at this point. I think he's been awful this year, um, and, and I wouldn't mind seeing him get replaced. He also is getting up there in age, so I think that's yeah, something they have to pay attention to as well. A year-to-year like- thing with, with Prince Amukamara, too, is that he goes and retires and claims his legitimate kingdom in Africa. Yeah, How yeah, did crazy. I not notice that this was an actual thing? He's, he's called actually, Prince Amukamara because he's literally Prince Amukamara. Wait, is that actually why he's called Prince? Yes. Oh, yeah. I just found this out like five days ago, and it just blew my mind. I thought his name was actually Prince, and then he was also like a prince. <laughs> literally, he can literally retire at any time for a kingdom. Yeah, that that's pretty cool. Mind-boggling. We yeah, don't talk that's... about that nearly enough. 
No. Yeah. But you know what's yeah. crazy? You know who I think should be getting an opportunity at cornerback if we're talking about Prince of Mukamura being so bad? I think that's Sherry McManus. The, the times that Sherry McManus have been in the game this year, he has been fantastic. I mean, he yeah. has made a peanut punch play. I think he had an interception earlier in the year. So if we're not liking what we see from Prince of Mukamura, like, why not Sharon McManus? I know he's a little older, too, but the way this guy's playing, man, the way we've, we've seen him play, like, I, I guess give him a shot. And Prince Mukamura is going to be gone. I don't, I don't, you know, again, I love every player on the Bears. I'm going to support him all the time. But th- this guy, uh, I, I think Chris mentioned, I think he's probably one that's going to have to be gone. But even then, you mentioned, you know, tight end, cornerback, offensive line. That's three positions that kind of need improvement. To me, like, again, that's not that much. <laughs> like, if you're the Miami Dolphins, that's a team that needs to overhaul their whole roster, every single position. Not the Chicago Bears. They're not in that position. And and we thought maybe some of that would come through the trade deadline. I actually really, really thought they were going to make a move for a tight end. Uh, I, I guess that's still possible as we near the deadline here. But, yeah. um, again, just, just look, the sky is not falling down for the Chicago Bears. They're 3-4, and four, but... You know, the organization isn't crumbling. They're, they're just a team that's underperforming right now. I mean, Bears fans are literally making it seem like Hallis Hall is burning to pieces. It, it's not. I mean, these guys are still are still incredibly talented. They still have the personalities. It, they're just not getting it done on the field. And, and and I know every week I say, oh, they should fix it next week. And they're going to fix it next week. But, I mean, th- that, you just got to have confidence in it, man. I mean, that that's all you can really do at this point. The, the, the sky's not falling down. Hallis Hall is not burning. Uh, they're 3 and 4. They're just underperforming. That's it. I think, look, here's my direct direct response to that, and then I'll let Jake go because I know we've been kind of just rambling. On <laughs> um, it, it's, I think it's just, it's it comes down to one thing. It's just the expectations. I mean, yeah, yeah. Being, being where we are right now is just, I, I think that's why it feels like Bears fans are acting like this team is awful. I mean, I, we had, you know, Super Bowl. I mean, is it, is it, you know, is past the point where we say we have or we had, um, but, you know, it, it's just we, we expected a lot from this team, um, especially right out the gate. I, in, in my in, you know, that's what I expected out the gate. I, th- I thought they would come off firing. Um, it's just it's not clicking right now. And, um, you know, I, I, I honestly don't blame Bears fans for, for, for being upset. I, I completely get it. It's th- we do still have to have confidence, though, because like you guys have brought up, you know, the past couple of weeks, I mean, things are not going to change right now. Things are not going to change overnight. Um, it's just got to be a wait and see process and just hope they can get it together. The thing is that it's partly because the expectations were so high and you were expecting this offense to click right away and do a lot. Um, and they didn't, they fell flat in the first game and it has struggled to put it back together. But Kevin, to your point about the Bears don't need a lot to address, there is a potential to, because if Amukamara does retire or you don't bring him back, then okay, you need to replace a starting corner. Um, I think that there is an increasing chance that Leonard Floyd gets his fifth-year option rescinded just because $13.5 million is a lot to pay a guy when he's not really impacting your uh, the game that much. And then there's also the fact that Danny Trevathan is a free agent, so that's a starting linebacker you have to replace re- them yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. 
So it, it's just a potential. And yeah, of course, it's overreaction Monday. The Bears are three and four. People are panicking, so they're already looking ahead. And there's a, a huge chance that in two weeks, this team is back to five and four, and you've won two games. And we're talking about, okay, how do you keep this going? How do you keep the p- good vibes going? How do we keep this on the roll? So it's just a whole, it, it's a rocking boat, as it always is with any big market team, but especially with the Chicago Bears and their fan base. Um, they call it overreaction Monday for a reason. And, you know, I I think once we get to the preview episode later in the week, there'll be more to be level headed about. I think we'll we'll have hear more, but, um, let's talk about, because I want to do the final segment on this, on Nagy and the decision to kneel, uh, um, you know, and that ties back. We've talked a lot about the offense and stuff, but, you know, are we starting to question Nagy's play calling more because I feel like that that question went away a little bit and maybe it was just because it was overshadowed by the bye week and that horrible performance by at the Saints against the Saints rather um but do you still believe in Nagy as a play caller or do you think he needs to maybe give it up to Mark Helfrich or give it up to a new offensive coordinator if someone comes in or do we still like Nagy's game plan calling because otherwise he did run the ball and he committed to running that and that's obviously a positive but overall, what do we think of that? Well, let's start with the one play that you mentioned. To me, he he had an explanation for the kneel. And his explanation was, look, the, the Chargers defense understands that in that situation, they were likely going to run the ball. And he figured that, okay, they, they might lose three yards if the Bears run the ball in the situation because the Chargers are expecting it. And if they throw it, he said, well, you never know what could happen. With a, whether there was a fumbler in the game or yada, yada, yada. I mean, to me, that's inexcusable. And I've I've been very supportive of Nagy, and I'll continue to be supportive of him as we go forward. But that in that situation, I mean, th- there's just there's just no reason to. I mean, you, like you got to have confidence in Dave Montgomery, who ran the ball 27 carries for 135 yards. I mean, it, it, he bounces every tackle that comes at him. Why not give him the ball with one timeout? I mean, if they didn't have a timeout, it's a totally different situation. But you know, you you have a timeout, and you never never leave it up to the kicker. And I, I love I love that they're confident in Eddie Pinheiro. I love it. And, you know, I love when the coach is confident in his players. But you, anytime you can make it easier, why not take that opportunity? And and they clearly had that opportunity. I mean, it, like run a two yard out route or, or three yard out route that's that's almost indefensible. I mean, it, that that specific play just made no sense to me. And, and I'm pretty sure, I think everyone can agree with that. I don't think I've seen one person who has agreed with Matt Nagy on that play. But going forwards as a play caller, I, I do like that he, he called more rushes in that game. I, I do. And, and and that was extremely necessary. And that should be what it should be going forward. But you also have to look at it, uh, you know, in the red zone, in, 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 at the 10-yard line, at the 4-yard line. The play calling was horrible. I mean, it, it, was, it was absolutely brutal. And, and, that, and that goes without saying. So he needs to fix that. But going forward, if he keeps, if he stays true to this identity and he says, okay, we're going to run the football 35, 40 times a game, then I think he's, he's fine where he's at. But uh, that, that specific play was, was, was just brutal. And, and the play calling inside of the 10 uh, was not good. I completely understand being cautious, um, not wanting to turn the ball over before attending the field goal, yada, yada, yada. But that, what, what Nagy pulled was not being cautious. That was just not being smart. Um, like you said, Kevin, I mean, there was, there was at, like, the risk was so little, in my opinion. I mean, running the ball, David Montgomery has, hasn't shown you 
you know, he hasn't given you a reason to not trust him. Um, you know, you, you, you kneeled the ball and lost two yards anyway. So, I mean, I, I, I just, I, it was just, I, I have no words for that. I mean, it's, I, I was, I was ready to go on Twitter and just start the hashtag fire Nagy. I was, I was heated, man. I was heated when that happened. But, um, another thing with the play calling, um, you know, he he's still showing the same tendencies that he did in KC when he was their offensive coordinator. Um, you know, the run the run game will be working and then he'll just shy away from it. He, he doesn't want to run the ball. He, it's it's that simple. He does not like running the ball. Um, and, you know, he, he just he wants to run these gadget plays over and over and over. I think he has to sim- make this offense more simple. Um, you know, get get the balls to your get get the ball to the to your guys and let them make the plays. Let Allen Robinson make the plays. I, this, I feel like I've been saying this in every episode. Let Anthony Miller make the plays. Let David Montgomery make the plays. And, you know, that's the recipe for success. You put the ball in the hands of your playmakers. And um, I, I'm just – I'm so over these gadget plays. Um, you're, in, you're at the goal line. Just, just please just have Trubisky put the – just reach the ball over. I mean, come on, man. It's just – it's simple things. It's little things that, that make fans go crazy. And, and you know, I – I wouldn't be opposed to having Helfrich call plays uh, right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't great and it was ugly. Um, but as long the full, first of all, the, the field goal play, I don't agree with kneeling at all. Um, I still think your offensive line and your running back was doing their job all day. Uh, so I think you run it, even if it's just a straight dive up the gut, I think you at least try. Um, so I, I I don't agree with that. The play calling inside the 10 was bad, but again, Mitch is kind of handicapping you right now, and you saw what happens when the Chargers are expecting the run at the goal line, and I'm sure that's true for any defense. Wouldn't be opposed to giving Helfrich more power. We've seen what he can do at Oregon. Again, college in the NFL is always super different, but you hired the guy for a reason, so... I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a little bit more of him. And his, I just dropped my charger. Um, wouldn't be opposed to seeing more of his fingerprints on this offense. But I, I think Nagy's figuring some things out. And I think if the running game can stick around like this, we'll see the play calling get better. I will say, Chris mentioned, you know, he needs to stop the gadget plays and the silliness and all the trickeration and all that. He did do that last week better than he did against the Saints and all throughout the year. I mean, you want to talk about simplifying the playbook. They pretty much did that on Sunday with running the football down the nose of the defense. Uh, There's a few here and there that are questionable. um, But a lot of that, a lot of the ones that are questionable is because the play was made and the play probably wasn't made because Mitchell Trubisky made the wrong throws. So I've seen a lot of people, you know, all over media who have saying they can't make an opinion on Matt Nagy's play calling until there's a better quarterback in there. So I don't know how much I agree yeah. with that, but um, I, that, that's, a, that's a fair point. That's a fair point to bring up is, is again, you know, I mentioned it last week. The, the whole narrative changes if Taylor Gabriel catches that, or if Mitch Trubisky makes the right throw, Taylor Gabriel catches it, goes all the way down the field. Or, I mean, there's so many plays that you could bring up where, all right, if, if the quarterback made that play, you know, people are talking Monday morning about how good Matt Nagy's play calling is. So uh, I think that, that statement that a lot of people are making is you can't necessarily really evaluate it until you see, you know, either a really clean game from the players and you see, okay, when everything's hitting its stride, then yeah, maybe Matt Nagy is a good play caller. And it was just up to uh, the players to make those plays. Or, you know, in the future, if you get, 
if you do get a better quarterback there in the future and things start to click, then you'll maybe realize, okay, maybe Matt Nagy was good at play calling, or if it fails in the future, then maybe there's a conclusion that he wasn't. But for now, it's kind of up in the air. You don't really know because it seems like Mitchell Trubisky and, and some of the offense has limited him, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a handcuff situation, but it, it, you still need to, like, Nagy was the guy that was hailed as this offensive yeah. creative mind, so you do need to uh, see a little bit. Again, he's handicapped a little bit. He's handcuffed a little bit by what the offense is doing, but again, I think if we consistently see the running game like this, that opens things up, and you can get a little more creative. Yeah, I mean, th- I, I saw that same thing, Kevin. Um, it was... Uh, it, someone said, um, you know, it, it's hard to, to judge who, like, the players on our offense as well. You know, like, like guys like Anthony Miller, you know, it, 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 he brought up, the guy brought up a good point. You know, it's like, we've been sitting here, um, you know, Anthony Miller, like, we, we don't really know what to say about him this year. I mean, he's shown good, he's shown bad, and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables that come into play with why he looks good and bad, so it's like, you know, it, it, it's hard. It is hard to judge these guys right now because we don't know who's at fault. I mean, it could be multiple guys. It could be, you know, one guy. In my opinion, I think I think Nagy and, and Mitch deserve equal blame. Uh, I mean, I I think the thing is, if how can you call these gadget plays and, and you know, some of these trick plays if, if your guy can't even make, make the simple throws, you know? So it, it's like, it, I feel like he's put in a tough spot. Um, but I still go back to my point that I've made pretty much all season. And it's like, it seems like when, when a defense figures um, Nagy out, he just doesn't know how to adjust and doesn't know how to just make things better on the spot, at least. Um, so, you know, and, and, you know, thinking on the fly is something you got you to gotta have down as a head coach. So uh, what, what, did you, what do you guys think about that? Jake? I mean, yeah, you're right. It's you, of course you want to make the simple throws, and of course you want the playbook to be expanded. But I mean, I, I'm fully in camp, just baby steps, and I think we saw yeah. a, a good baby step this week. Well, to me, you know, you talk about expanding the playbook and spreading out everything. To me, it, it, the, what again, what we saw on Sunday is what we're going to see and what we need to see going forward. And and they, we've seen it multiple times about talking about. You know, Mitchell Trubisky, they need to simplify the playbook to help out Mitchell Trubisky. And I don't want to go into any more on that, but to me, it, like, it, it, it's simple for them. It, it's running the football 40 plus, 30 plus times a game, and it's getting a few nice plays here and there, but, but eliminating all those gadget plays. And, and to me, if they do that, they could be just fine. And, and, and I've mentioned it, but, you know, th- there's no reason not to at this point. You, you've seen what's worked and what hasn't. And although they lost yesterday, that's what worked. The running game is what worked, and if they convert in the red zone, they 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 win that game by again fourteen plus points. So it, to me, you know, to conclude it about the play calling, I, I think Matt Nagy can stick to it. I'm not opposed to Matt Nagy, uh, you know, staying as a play caller if he just you know again simplifies it a little bit more. But you know, right where we're at right now is about as simple as is nearly as simple as you can get. And whether you think that's because they need to do it because the quarterback is limited or yada yada yada. 
what we saw on Sunday is what it needs to be and what it's going to be going forward for them to be successful. It, it, any other way is not going to work um, as far as, again, getting it to the red zone. The red zone is a different story. Um, but, you know, what, what also what Chris mentioned is, is, is I, I wouldn't be opposed to having Helfrich doing it. Um, but I think for now, Matt Nagy's not ready to give it up himself. He's not. And, and I think that also tells me that that he knows this offense can can reach some type of potential. If he if he didn't see that, he would have given it away already. But but he feels something, and in in it's not him being egotistic and thinking that he's the best play caller there is. It's just him knowing that they can do so much better, and they're, they're just not doing that right now. So you know, again, th- this I don't, you can call him being coach of the year a fluke last year. I don't I don't see it like that. This is a guy who still has a lot of talent. We still saw him be an effective play caller last year. So to me, it's it, it just comes down. Uh, you know, to simplifying a little bit more and, and, and hopefully hopefully having Mitch Trubisky make some of those plays and slowly, if that happens, the narrative on Matt Aggie will change. Yep. Yeah, agree. I agree. All right. Last yep. thing that I want to get to here. We're all still ride or die for Eddie P, right? That guy's awesome. Yep. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's look, as as a kicker in the NFL, you know, he he's got to make those two kicks and I love Eddie Pinheiro, but you got it. He, he not only missed that game winner, he missed another one, uh, a 33 yarder, I think earlier in the game, you got to make those kicks. But the thing I like about Eddie Pinheiro, as opposed to Cody Parkey is he's a guy who actually, excuse my French, he gives a shit. And, and you can, you can, you can tell that. And I think everyone in the whole city can tell that, you know, after the game, you didn't see too many people berating Eddie Pinheiro. You didn't see too many people roasting him on Twitter. It was more of, you know, again, Mitchell Trubisky and Matt, Nagy. So I think that just goes to show not only does the the guys in the locker room, Matt Nagy, but I think all the fans, and you guys just mentioned it, uh, you guys have total confidence in ADP. I, th- I think going forward, this is a guy who he cares a lot. He's going to try to get better. He's actually going to go to Soldier Field to fix his issues and, and kick inside those goal posts. So total confidence in Eddie Pinheiro going forward. You got to make those kicks, but but going forward, I still have confidence in that man, Eddie, Eddie Dinero. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's... Look, every everybody has a bad game. Um, I think we can agree on that. Uh, especially kickers, we've seen great kickers have awful games. I mean, it, it happens. Yeah. So, you know, one game is not. I'm not worried at all. I think he's a very good kicker. I think he's gonna bounce back. Uh, and like you said, uh, Kevin, I mean, you can tell he has that confidence. He has that 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 thing about him that that you know he he goes out there and and he feels like he can make every kick and and that's fantastic. Would he, would it have been? Better if you made both of those kicks yesterday? Absolutely. But, you know, it's just sometimes that's just the way the, the ball bounces. And, and I look, now that I said all that, I just want to say one thing. I don't agree with people kind of not giving him flag for that. I, I, I feel like it's kind of getting lost in the fact that, you know, mm-hmm. Mitch hasn't looked good and Nagy hasn't looked good. Look, if, if Pinheiro makes those kicks – this episode is would have a different title. We'd be mm-hmm. talking about different things. So I mean, that that's just it's football, um, and that's just how it goes sometimes. But I think, um, you know, I think he deserves blame for that loss. But I I, I 100% um, believe in him. I think he's the kicker going forward, and you know, I'm not I'm not worried. I think it's also yep. important to remember that this is still a guy that pinched a nerve in his kicking leg. Exactly. So like, that's that's yeah, pretty yeah. tough. So, uh, all right, glad we're all on the same page on that then. 
Um, yeah, but and I hey, I got one more thing before we wrap it up it. because I'm I'm curious. You know, I talked about the trade line. It's actually you know we, we're we're, at, we're recording this episode into midnight my time right now, so we, we are officially on the final day of the trade deadline, and we're probably to put this episode after the trade deadline has concluded, so we can see how dumb or smart we look. But you know, th- there there still still is something that could happen here in these next 16 hours. The Bears making some type of trade. Um, you know, whether it's a guy who really isn't a huge impact player, or maybe it is a guy who, who who could make an impact. So I don't know if you guys have been looking around and seeing anything, or if there's a guy that you really want. I know Chris mentioned Mike Gusecki from the Dolphins, uh, said he could maybe find his way over to Chicago. Um, but is there any other names that you could possibly see the Bears swirling around in these next 16 hours before the trade deadline uh, to, to, to possibly make a move to, to give someone hope? Because... All, you know, sometimes it's all it takes, right? When the Bears got Khalil Mack, and they're not kidding a player the caliber of Khalil Mack, but when the Bears got Khalil Mack, it was a spark of hope for the 2018 season. And and even, you know, even if it is a tight end who's an upgrade from Trey Burden, that just might give people hope to, to say, maybe this offense will get better because of that. So I'm just curious to see what you guys think. If there's any names that you've seen uh, or people even from the Bears who could be on their way out, uh, what do you expect for the trade deadline at 4 p.m.? Yeah, I mean, I I honestly just, you know, Mike Gusecki is the only guy that I can really think of. Um, yeah. I, I think he's just, I think he's the only only good, you know, young tight end that, that could get moved, obviously, because of his situation, and we know all about that. But, um, you know, the, the Dolphins are just, just giving players away. So, right. I mean, it, the thing is, look, I don't know what his price would be because he is young and he has shown that, you know, he's a, pretty solid tight end um so that's why i don't think it's too realistic and other than that i mean i we've given up so much draft capital i i I don't i just don't see them really making a splash i don't really see them making anything that'll you know directly impact this team but i hope i'm wrong um but as far other than mike gusecki i really don't have anyone that's realistic yeah i'm not expecting anything other than like a, a small death piece, like Chris said, that exact reason they've already given up so much draft capital and trades. Um, especially if you're already looking towards things that you might have to address in the off season, you can't really afford to give up much more. So I, I'm not expecting anything that makes us uh, turn our heads really. Yeah. I just thought I'd ask because you know, there are people right now I've been checking Twitter who say Taylor Gabriel might be on the block. I don't, I don't, I don't want to see that at all. Um, but yeah, you I've know, seen it, that today too. I, I don't know. It's been so, really weird, I, man. I've seen so many people say that. That's just I. I don't get that. I. I highly doubt they do that in the middle of the season. Uh, that'd be yeah, very that, stupid. That one wouldn't make any sense. But unless, unless, like th- the only way that I could see that happening is okay. Maybe they trade a Taylor Gabriel and a pick for a next level tight end. Exactly. If yeah. if if they did that, I I honestly wouldn't be upset. And as much as I love. Taylor Gabriel, don't get me wrong, I love him. I mean, I think everyone in the city of Chicago loves him, but you have to val- you have to see what is valued more. And I think at that certain position, what's going on, I, I think you could use a tight end a little bit more if-, if that was some type of package deal. But that's all, you know, that's all up in the air. I mean, who really knows um, what's going on? But you know, again, 4 p.m. tomorrow, maybe the Bears do something. We know Ryan Pace is aggressive. Maybe they don't. But uh, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about the deadline. Yeah, I, I just real quick. Um, yeah, I, I think if they're gonna use if they're gonna trade 
uh, Taylor Gabriel, it would be to to buy an upgrade. Uh, I don't yeah. think the Warriors are, are selling or anything like that. That's why I was kind of, no. you know, when people were tweeting that, I was just, I was like, what, what are these guys talking about? Like, was there a rumor <laughs> or anything? But um, I didn't see anything. So, yeah, I, I doubt that happens. Um, but, yeah, other than that, it's just, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't expect them to do anything. I don't expect them to ship anyone out just because it's kind of like the if you put Chase Daniel in thing, it, it just sends the wrong message if you ship out anyone, especially a starter like Taylor Gabriel, especially a good locker room guy like Taylor Gabriel. So, yeah, I, I expect them to just stand pat and try to try to make yeah. it work and run it back with this team that went last year. So, yeah, I, I think that's what's going to end up happening. I would, t- I would yep. totally agree. And, and hey, I, I, we're about to, I think we're about to close it up. Aren't we, do we have anything else? I got nothing. Um, yeah, I got nothing either. I, I just wanna I just wanna say this because I know I, I'm very optimistic and and this is interesting to me. I don't know I don't know why. Think about this year in sports and I and I tweeted this out. Um the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup after being last place, you know, pretty much midway through the NHL season. I remember that. The Washington Nationals, who are probably on the brink of losing the World Series, they're down 3-2 right now, uh, but they are in the World Series, were 12 games below 500 May 29th, and were given a 3% chance to make the playoffs. Last year, four and four teams, three of them made the playoffs in the NFL last year. Three teams who were four and four made the playoffs. A four and four team in the NFL has a 32 percent chance to make the playoffs so i just thought i'd throw those stats out there for you guys it seems like it's the year of the unexpected the year of the comeback the year of the turnaround in sports so you know i'm not giving up and i know chris and jake aren't either they're gonna go out and and watch the game on sunday and they're gonna cheer the bears on as hard as anyone else um so look it's tough times and it's been tough times for the past three games but you know you got to go out there you got to hope for the best you got to cheer them on and 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 hope that some like some of these other sports in the nhl and the mlb that they turn around they they are the next team to have one of those incredible turnaround seasons and and find themselves in in the playoffs i just thought throw that out there i like that i like that no, that's really good. I, I think that's a really good positive note to end on. Sports are weird. Weird things happen. Good teams always prevail, though. And again, this is a team that went 12-4 and four and made the playoffs last year. No reason that. I mean, they have all the talent in the world, and we've seen that. But good note to end on. I like that. Kevin, Kevin stats over here. But <laughs> that does it for us for our recap episode. We'll be back later in the week. This time, that will get out. But... For myself, for Kevin, for Chris, thank you for listening as always. Keep the faith and bear down.